Today I want to talk to you about picking up your responsibilities. If you missed week one, I want to do a quick review so we're all on the same page together. I really encourage you to go listen to uh, the message on the website. You can go to the church website. Uh, you can listen to the message. You can watch the message. You can download it on your iPod for absolutely free. So I encourage you to do that this week. But let's do a quick review. We, we talked about contract marriage versus covenant marriage. And we learned that contracts are great because they protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. If you're going to sell a home, if you're going to buy a business, if you're going to enter into some type of transaction, a contract is awesome because it will protect your rights and limit your responsibilities. And, and we learned that contracts work great with business transactions, but they're horrible in a marriage relationship. And the tragic thing is that most people enter into marriage with a contract mentality instead of a covenant mentality. In a contract marriage, people get married and they protect their rights and they limit their responsibilities. But in a covenant marriage, it's the exact opposite. People give up their rights and they pick up their responsibilities and friends, you cannot have a thriving, God-honoring marriage with a contract mentality where you're protecting your rights and limiting your responsibilities. It just will not work. And we looked in week number one, I gave you three rights that we need to lay down. Three rights we need to lay down. We, we looked at, number one, the right of priority. We learned that after God, our spouse takes the next top priority in our life. There are top earthly priority. We give up the right to put anything else before our spouse. We also learned on point number two in week one that we lay down the right of possessions. And I taught you about two people become one flesh. And when you become one flesh, husband and wife, you are now co-owners of everything. It's no longer mine, but now it's ours. And we unpacked that in week one. Then I wrapped up the message talking about laying down the right of privacy, that in a marriage relationship, in a covenant marriage, that there are no secret and hidden and private areas. You give your spouse complete access into every area of your life. Now, today I want to switch gears. I talked about week one, things that you have to lay down. And this week, I want to talk about three responsibilities that we need to pick up. Three responsibilities we need to pick up to have a thriving, God-honoring marriage. And you're here today, and if you're single, please listen, because statistics say that one day many of you will be married, and this kind of teaching will set you up for success for your future marriage. Maybe you're 99 years old and you're single, and you're thinking, this message is not for me because I don't plan on getting married. I'm 99. Well, listen, this message is for you. You got grandkids. You got great grandkids. You got kids that you need to be investing in and teaching biblical principles about how to have a God-honoring relationship, covenant versus contract. Point number one, three responsibilities we need to pick up today to have a God-honoring marriage. Number one is pick up love. Pick up love. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 says, Husbands, 
love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, this doesn't mean that a wife doesn't need to love her husband. Of course, both the husband and the wife need to love one another. But, but husbands, men of God, God has called us to take the lead when it comes to loving in our marriage relationship. But, but what I want to focus on, what I want to drill down on today is the meaning of the word love in a marriage relationship. I want us to get a good grasp of what that word really means. Love in this portion of scripture, the Greek word is agape. And agape love is unconditional love. You see, a covenant marriage is one that has unconditional love. That means that you assume the responsibility to love your spouse according to the standard of God's love. And friends, God's love is an unconditional love. You can never do anything. You can never say anything to make God not love you. It is unconditional. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God so loved the world. Friends, that's a huge statement. Because what the Bible is saying is that God loves people who aren't doing the right thing. It doesn't say that God loves Christians or God loves church people. It says God loves everybody. God loves the world. God loves people that are not doing the right thing. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. But God demonstrates his own love, his agape love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God picked up his responsibility and God did the right thing and sent Jesus even when we were doing the wrong thing. God picked up his responsibilities and he did his part even when we were not doing our part. And friends, that's unconditional love. And in a covenant marriage, there is an unconditional love. The spouses have an unconditional love for one another. But here's the unfortunate thing is a lot of marriages are contract because they're based on conditional love. And the difference between a contract and a covenant is if you don't fulfill your responsibilities in a contract marriage, you don't fulfill your responsibilities. I don't have to fulfill mine. You're not meeting my needs. Contract broken. So I don't have to meet your needs. You're not loving me the way that I want to be loved. Contract broken. So I don't have to love you the way that you need to be loved. You're not making me happy. I'm unhappy. Contract broken. So I'm not going to make you happy. And in a contract marriage, people justify why they're not going to pick up their responsibilities. Come on, some of you did that last night. You justified why you're not going to pick up your responsibilities. And people say things like this. Well, you don't understand. I know that I'm doing wrong, but let me tell you what she did. I, I know, I know I'm not doing the right thing. I know, I know, I know, I know I'm not doing the right thing. But let me tell you what he did. You would understand better why I'm not doing the right thing if you were married to my spouse. Let me tell you what they're doing. And they make excuses. And friends, your marriage. Your marriage will never be a thriving, God-honoring marriage 
with a contract mentality. It will not work. You say, why? Why? Here's the reason why. Because your spouse is not perfect. Can I tell you that for most of us, when we got married, we entered into a marriage and we married somebody who was dysfunctional. Most of us, when we got married, we were dysfunctional and messed up. I would ask for a show of hands, but I don't want to make you lie. (laughs) When you get married, you marry somebody dysfunctional. Listen, when Tiffany and I got married, we were two messed up Christians. No, no, I said Christians. We were two messed up Christians. We didn't know exactly how to treat one another. We didn't know exactly what this whole covenant marriage thing was all about. I mean, nobody really, really taught me about covenant marriage and and my role as as a husband. Listen, it took me longer to get my driver's license than it did my marriage license. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, nobody nobody taught me. Like like I'm talking to you and teaching you the principles of God's word about scripture. Nobody taught me that. And when Tiffany and I got married, we were eating a crop that we didn't sow. When Tiffany married me, she was eating a crop that she didn't sow. When she married me, I was... I was messed up. When Tiffany married me, I was very insecure 14 years ago. And I didn't even realize how insecure I was until I got married. How many know marriage will expose some stuff in your life? I mean, it'll just expose everything. I didn't know how insecure I was. I didn't realize the emotional baggage that I brought into our marriage. I was emotionally unhealthy in so many ways. I had a huge issue with trust. When, when, I, when I, Tiffany and I got married, I had a hard time trusting. I had some walls up. I mean, I gave her some of my heart, but I, I was thinking, can I really give her my whole heart? And I was guarded, and I was thinking, I don't know if I want to let her into this area of my life. I don't know if I really want to open up. And, and I, I had a lot of trust issues. And Tiffany was eating a crop that she did not sow. And the question is this. What do you do when you marry somebody dysfunctional and you're eating a crop that you didn't sow. And that happens to 99.9999% of us. I want to leave 0.1% out just in case somebody married Jesus, but you didn't, amen. So, so that's 100% of us. And you married somebody dysfunctional. What do you do when you marry somebody and everything's exposed and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, this is what I got. I'm not happy. You're not making me happy. I didn't expect this. Why are you doing that? You snore that loud every night. What do you do when you marry somebody dysfunctional, messed up, and you're eating a crop that you didn't sow? You're eating a crop because of what their parents did to them. Or you're eating a crop by what their family did to them. Or you're eating a crop because of friendships that went sour in their life. You're eating a crop because of their messed up relationships and, and how they led their life and they bring all that hurt and baggage and junk into the marriage relationship and you're eating a crop that you did not sow. And what do you do? I'll tell you what a lot of people do is they go contract. Well, I don't, I don't like it. You're not making me happy. So I'm not making you happy. You're not meeting my needs the way that I want you to meet my needs. So you know what? Contract. I'm not going to meet your needs. I'm not happy. So there's no way I'm going to make you happy. Contract. And do you know what happens? Do you know what happens? You do that. You do that. Five years, 10 years, 20 years into your marriage, 
you're still eating the same crop, except the issue is you sowed the seed. You're now reaping a harvest based off the seed that you sowed. I mean, 15 years into your marriage, even five and 10 years into your marriage, I'm telling you, you have sown some seed and the crop that you're eating, if it's the same thing, it's because of the seed that you sown. Contract. And one of the things that I'm grateful for is that when Tiffany and I got married, with my dysfunction, with my lack of trust, with my emotional baggage, Tiffany loved me unconditionally. And I'm grateful for a wife who overlooked my faults, my insecurities, and she loved me. She was there for me. She supported me. And can I tell you today, today Tiffany is eating a good crop. I'm talking about good crop. <laughs> because she sowed seed into me, and now she's eating a crop that she sowed seed for. Same thing with me. Tiffany, man, she brought her issues into our marriage. She brought her baggage into our marriage. And I loved her unconditionally. I've been there for her. I've supported. We've cried. It hadn't been easy. We've cried. We've got into arguments. We had, to, we, we, we had to work things out and spend days at times working on issues and things that upset us. But I loved her. I loved her unconditionally. And can I tell you today, we got a great marriage. I'm eating a good crop because of the seed that I've So what do you do when you marry somebody jacked up? Here's what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. I know what y'all doing. Amen. I'm coming right at you today. I know you don't want to hear it. He's jacked up and I'm going to tell him you jacked up. I ain't happy loving you. No, that's not how it works. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. Listen, church, don't fool yourself. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And friends, if you go around sowing negative seed in your marriage, you'll go around sowing conditional love. I love you if. I'll be there for you if. You go around being bitter and angry and not investing in your spouse. I'm telling you the crop you're going to reap is a negative crop. And you'll be eating a crop that you sowed seed for. Because a man or woman reaps what they sow. Don't fool yourself. Number two is this. We're talking about how to have a covenant marriage, responsibilities that we need to pick up to have a thriving marriage. Number two is this. Pick up honor. Pick up honor. You see, in a contract marriage, you live to reach your potential. It's all about you. But in a covenant marriage, you honor your spouse and you live to help them reach their potential. Married couples don't miss this. Singles, when you get married, I want you to have this principle in your heart and in your mind. Married couples, you cannot fulfill your purpose and reach your God-given potential without your spouse. Let me tell you, I cannot be all that God wants me to be without Tiffany. Tiffany cannot be all that God wants her to be without me. We need each other. Let me explain it to you how the scripture says it. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, this behooves me. It messes with my thinking. Because understand, at this time in history, it was perfection. It was a perfect earth. Adam was perfect. God looked down at a perfect earth. God looked down at a perfect man. And he said, it's not good that this boy's by himself. It's perfect down there, 
But if he's going to reach his potential, if he's going to be all that I want him to be, he's lonely. This is not good for a man to be alone. And God, the Bible says this, I will make a helper. And all the ladies are going, that's right. I got to help that man. That man needs some help. That man can't even find his draws without me. He needs my help. Some of you are laughing way too loud, ladies. I'm not liking it. I'm not liking it. It's, I will make a helper. This boy needs some help. I'll make a helper who, notice this, who is just right for him. You see, God created Eve to help Adam and Adam to help Eve. I need Tiffany. And I know she needs me. I know she needs her some Herbert. She needs me. I'm convinced of it. Here's the raw reality is I can't reach my God-given potential without Tiffany. And Tiffany can't reach her God-given potential without me. We need one another. Husbands, husbands, I want to just begin just speaking to you and encouraging you. Honor your wife by living to help her reach her God-given potential. Can I tell you, it will change your marriage if you will live life not just trying to reach your potential, but you would begin to live your life to help your wife reach her God-given potential. It'll transform your marriage. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 23. It says, the man said, this is Adam, this is now, I like that, this is now. In other words, he says, now things have changed. Now things are, I was by myself. I I could just focus on me and these animals, but now things have changed. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He says, it's not all about me now. There's somebody else for me to nurture and to take care of. She will, she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. He goes, for this reason, man, a man will leave his father and mother. Now that's not easy. If I'm going to do it my way, I mean, I might want to keep father and mother. I might want to live with them. But it's no longer about what I want. It's no longer about me. I've got to make some sacrifices to invest in this lady, this woman that God has blessed me with. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. One flesh. Tiffany and I are one flesh. I'm no longer just living to reach my own potential. I'm now living also to help her reach her God-given potential. We are one. We're one. It's not just about me. It's about we. It's about helping her be all God wants her to be. Here's what Paul says. He says it so eloquently in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28. It says, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Wow. He goes on to say this, he who loves his wife loves himself. Notice it doesn't say he who loves himself loves his wife. Huh? He who loves his wife, I'm not just living for me, I'm living for you. He who loves his wife loves himself. Can I tell you, I can tell a lot about you and your walk with the Lord by how you treat your wife. He who loves his wife loves himself. And one day, I'm going to stand before God. We all will. And on that judgment day, when I give account of my life, God will ask me, Herbert, what did you do with the greatest gift that I gave you? And the greatest gift that God gave me is not the gift of leadership. It's not the gift of teaching and preaching. 
the greatest gift that God's ever given me as my wife Tiffany. 14 years ago, I said, I do. And that's the greatest gift God's given me. And I want to be able to say to the Lord, God, I became your best friend in helping her reach and achieve her destiny. God, I loved her, I cherished her, and I honored her to help her reach her God-given potential. And friends, that's not always easy. But can I tell you, covenant marriage, he who loves his wife loves himself. And I, can I tell you, it's a thrill for me now. Now that I have a proper perspective, now that I have a covenant mentality, it's a thrill for me to see my wife flourish. It's a th- I get joy out of seeing my wife thrive. And I, I see my wife grow, grow, grow spiritually. I've seen her over 14 years grow spiritually, her walk with God closer. I see her a mighty woman of God. It, it, encour- it, it strengthens me. It blesses me. I, I want to help her reach her potential. I want to honor her in that way. I, I see my wife as she steps up in leadership, and, and she, she's a great teacher of, of God's word. And, and she, she, she's a part of a national leadership, this, this ministry called Leading and Loving. And most of you don't even know, but she sits on, on the lead team of leading and loving it. And they just had a virtual conference and had thousands of pastors' wives and, 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 and women church leaders that were watching and, and they were teaching and pouring into them. And it thrills my heart. My wife asked me a few months ago, she said, Herbert, the, 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 the leading and loving our team, they, they want to know, can we have the conference in September in Oklahoma City? Well, there will be hundreds and hundreds of pastors' wives and, and, and lady leaders in, in the church world that, that will be here. And she asked me that, and I, I thought about it, and I said, babe, that, that, sounds, that sounds good to me. And it was exciting to me because I get to invest in my wife and help her reach her God-given potential, help her shape and minister to thousands of pastors' wives, and it encourages me, it blesses me to see my wife reach her potential. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. No, it's not. We got four kids. They're not all 22, 8, 6, 5, 3. Mama's going to be gone. Hey, what's up? Four kids and daddy. On top of my responsibility of pastoring this thing called People's Church, but to invest in my wife and to honor her and to see her flourish brings joy to my heart because he who loves his wife loves himself. Ladies, ladies, your husband will never achieve his full potential without you helping him. And one of the greatest hindrances that prevent a man from reaching his God-given potential is a dishonoring wife. A dishonoring wife. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. And this verse 33 is the summary verse to that, that chapter where it's talking about wives submit to your husbands and husband love your wife like Christ loved the church and basically in verse 33 Paul just summarizes that entire text and here's the summary he says let me just drill it down and say it all in one sentence here's what I really mean however each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband friends can I tell you that there is a lot of disrespect and dishonor in today's culture When you watch most television shows about the family, they always portray the husband as a bum. Have you noticed that that the husband is always this, this man who can't make any decisions? 
He's like a goofball kid. He can't even run his own life, let alone his household. I mean, he's just a goofball. They show him in such a dishonoring way. And ladies, please understand this. You have to realize that one of your husband's greatest needs is to be honored and respected by you. It's huge to a man. That's why when Paul sums it up, he says, and wife, you must respect your husband. It's huge to a man. When Tiffany and I first got married, and I've shared this story before, but want to just shed some new light with this story. We would get into arguments, and most of our arguments were centered around playing games. And oftentimes we'd be with her family, and we'd be playing some kind of card game. And I'd get mad. I'm not talking about a little mad. I'm talking about mad, mad. And we'd go to bed. And you know how you're looking at each other around the card table and you're giving each other that look like, I can't wait till we get by ourselves so we can talk. You know what I mean? You're looking at her, she's looking at you. You know it's on. It's on. It's on. Nobody else knows it's on, but you know it's on. You know what I'm saying? And we'd go to bed. and I started saying, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe, I didn't mean to say, I didn't mean it like that. Why you said this? And it, I, didn't, well, I didn't mean to say it like that. I didn't mean, you know, and that, that, I remember, I only said this one time. But one time I said to Tiffany, so is it over? I was like saying, so that, we're getting a divorce over this card game. It's the first and last time I ever said that, amen. It all broke loose. She started crying. I'm like, oh, Lord, what have I done? It took me a couple of hours to get out of that mess, amen. But, but you know what the core issue was? I felt disrespected. I felt like Tiffany was disrespecting me in front of her family. And it hurt me. And Tiffany said this to me several weeks ago. We were talking and just, she kind of just said it out the blue. She said, you know, I, I realized that, that, that early in our marriage that I didn't realize how much respect meant to you. I didn't realize how big that was to you. And you know what? I didn't realize how big it was to me. I didn't understand all the scripture said. I didn't realize how big this was to me when I felt like my wife was dishonoring me in front of her, her family. It was huge. Can I tell you that my wife, she makes me or breaks me with her words. Now, now you can say some things about me that are positive, and I appreciate it. It's kind. It'll bless me for a few moments. And you can say some things negative about me, and it, it'll, it'll hurt me for a moment or two. But I get over you pretty quick. But my wife, when she says something to me, she can wound me with dishonoring words. She can hurt me. She can mess me up. But when my wife honors me and respects me, lifts me up and encourages me, when she says stuff like, you're an awesome husband, you're an awesome dad, you're a great man of God, God's using you, Herbert, he's got more for your life, and I think you're incredible. When she starts talking to me like that, boy, I bow up. Boy, I feel like super, I will run through a brick wall like Superman. I will hurt somebody. She's encouraging me and she's respecting me and she's honoring me. And, and ladies, ladies, your husband needs you to honor him. He needs you to encourage him. A man will never reach his full potential without an honoring wife. Men need a wife who will encourage them. Listen, your husband, he may not say it. He may act all tough and hard, but he needs your encouragement. He thrives off your encouragement. Let me give you an example. Let's say the family's at the park with some other families and you're kind of just having a good time and the husbands decide they're going to go play a pickup basketball game. And they go start playing basketball and the, the ladies are all over just watching the kids, talking and chatting. And the ladies deciding, you know what, we need to go. Let's, let's get the kids ready. Let's get ready to go. And so the ladies walk over to the basketball court where the men are playing. 
And, you know, the men were kind of playing. They're trying to win. But when the women got, got there, you mean know what happened when the men, women not. You, you ladies don't know. You ladies don't even know. You don't even know it. But men, oh, they finna try to show off now. The ladies are there. Oh, baby. I'm, hey. I mean, he is trying to show off, jump up, do some moves, do a layup. I mean, he's trying to show off. His woman is there. And you know what a man does? You know what a man does when he gets in the car? Ladies, he plays it off. You don't even know what he's doing. He gets in the car and he goes, hey, baby, you see that move I did? You see that move I did? You see that? You see, did you see how I faked about? Did you see? Did you see hey, baby, did you see how high I jumped? Did you see? You see how high I jumped so high? I jumped over here. I could have, baby, I could have dunked it. I'm, I can tell you, baby, I could have dunked it. And all you ladies know any man over 40 years old can only jump that high. You know that, you know. But he thinks, he thinks, baby, you see how high I jumped? You see how high? You see how high I jumped? And ladies, you know what you need to say? You know what you say? Baby, you jump so high. You jump so high. Oh, baby, I saw you. You jump so high. You jump so, you jump so high, honey. And you know what he does? He sits up in that car seat. He starts driving fast, boy. Yeah. You see me, you see me, baby. You see me. You know, men are a lot like dogs. Give a little praise and a treat every once in a while, and we'll be all right, huh? Oh, that's a good boy. That's a good boy. You jump so high. That's a good boy. Let me scratch you behind your ear. You's a good boy. You's a good daddy. You's a good husband. You's a good boy. <laughs> yeah, girl. Hey, hey. You can praise your husband into success, or you can nag him into failure. You go around saying. My husband's an idiot. Girl, I don't know why I married this man. Barely holding down a job. He wouldn't make it without me. He's a goober. He's no good. He's a sorry daddy. He's no good. And you think you're going to eat a good crop five years from now? No, you're not. You got what you got because you keep sowing that kind of seed into your man. Why don't you start praising him, him into success? He may not be the daddy that he needs to be right now, but why don't you start saying, you're a great daddy. I believe in you. You're going, you can do better. I know you can. I believe in you, honey. You're a great husband. I believe in you. Things are changing in our marriage. I, I believe in you more than it. I see greatness in you. Why don't you start praising him into success instead of nagging him into failure? Go ahead and preach, Pastor, all by yourself and preach. Go ahead. Point number three, point number three, I'm wrapping up, I'm wrapping up, I'm, I'm, I'm landing this plane now. Number three, the third responsibility that we need to pick up is pick up submission. Pick up submission. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And you have to understand that God has set up order in the earth. Whether it's government, God has set up order. Whether it's in the local church, I'm the senior pastor of People's Church, there's, there's order here at the church. Uh, I'm, I'm the leader underneath God. I submit to his authority. I'm the leader of people's church. God has set up order in the home where God has called the husband to be the leader in the home. But oftentimes men like to use the scripture and manipulate it and take it out of context. Because you have to read the verse prior to this one. It says in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, the very verse previous to this one, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, submission is for both the husband and and the wife, both the husband and the wife need to love each other, need to honor each other, need to submit to one another. Let me explain submission. Submission is I assume the responsibility to serve you by first submitting my life and our marriage to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to his holy word. I submit my life, our marriage to the Lord and to his word. According to Barna Research, Less than one-third of born-again Christians use the Bible to settle issues in their marriage. Less than one-third. 
use the Bible. And friends, your marriage will not thrive, will not honor God if you try to take matters into your own hands and don't submit to the word of God. I want to quickly give you a secret. There's one secret that brings healing to every marriage. There's one thing, no matter how bad your marriage may be. I've been married for 14 plus years, in ministry almost 20 years. I've seen a lot of marriage problems. And there's one thing that would fix every marriage problem. Here it is. Let me give it to you. Let me give it to you. Those watching online, let me give it to you right now. Here's the one thing. If you both will die today, die. Some of you are carnal. I don't mean kill him. Some of you think, that's right, Pastor. That will solve my problem. I just take him out tonight. Thank you for that word from the Lord. No, no, no. I'm talking spiritually. Die. Die to what you want. Die to your desires. Die to your own wishes. Die to yourself. And start honoring your spouse, loving them, cherishing them. Die to yourself. The Bible says it like this in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Jesus said, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And when Jesus said, take up his cross, take up your cross, he's simply saying this, die to yourself. Die to your wants, your desires, your wishes. Pick up your cross and die, and then follow Jesus. Submit your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Submit your marriage to the word of God, to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of people want to contract marriage, but they want thriving results, and it won't work. You can't have a contract marriage where you won't die because that's what contract people do. I'm not dying. I'm going to have my way. I'm going to do what I want. I'm, I'm going to have conditional love. I'm going to dishonor my spouse. I'm not going to submit my life to the Lord and to the standard of his word. I'm not doing all that forgiving and loving unconditionally. And I'm not doing all that submitting. And I'm not doing all that. You will weep a crop and eat a crop of negative seed that you sow because you can't have a thriving marriage with a contract mentality. It just won't work.